I had to clear that up. For some people, barbecue could be anything you get on the side of the road. Can you guys hear me at the back there? I know I'm soft-spoken, so I don't want to be too soft. Wave if you can hear me. Okay, I see waves. Good. Great. Well, in case you didn't know, Shannon is in Colorado right now. Shannon's watching online. Shannon's probably waving too, but I can't see you, babe. So uh, Shannon takes a, a week, sometimes a couple extra days. We've got our friends Seth and Sandra have got a place that he gets to go and hang out in the mountains in Colorado just to spend some time with God and get prepared for this coming year and getting vision and clarity and correction. I don't know. I don't know if he's getting correction. He'll come back and tell us. So anyway, so Shannon is in Colorado. He gets back. He's actually going to be um, at uh, Seth and Sandra's Ministries board meeting on Thursday. He preaches at their church, which is our sister church, uh, Open Fields Church in Greeley, Colorado, on Friday. And then he'll be back here on Saturday. So you'll get to see him in a, a couple days. So love you, babe. So while Shannon's away... I get to minister, and, and uh, I'm excited because this is something that God has been putting on my heart for a little while, and yes, I'm excited. So I hope, you, I hope you're going to enjoy it. We're going to talk about the S word today, and some of you are going, oh, we don't say that in church. What came to mind? Don't say it out loud, just in case it's one of those words that you shouldn't say. Okay, did some of you think sin? Nobody thought sin? Nobody thought sin. Good, 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 good. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, so um, we don't talk about sin in a grace church. Am I right? We're a grace church. We don't talk about sin. Well, the truth of the matter is sin is a defeated foe, and some of us are still believing the lie. So... We're going to talk about some major points here, if you would. First and foremost, hold up one finger. This is the most important thing you need to know. Jesus paid the penalty for all sin for all time. Past, present, and future sins. Some of you, when I said future sins, started planning. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just asking, did your heart go, ooh, is that permission? No, no, that's not permission. Just listen. How many of your sins were future sins when Jesus died on the cross? So people who say, oh, no, God's only forgiving your past sins, not your future sins, have forgotten that God lives outside of that timeline. He's not bound by our time. The Bible says that he has paid once for all. So that is the most important thing for you to know about your sin is that all sin, all your sin, all my sin has been paid for in Jesus for all time. Number two, sin is deceptive and destructive. Well, hold on a second. If it's paid for, why is it still deceptive and destructive? Good question. I'm glad you guys are asking questions. Maybe you're not asking questions, but I've got some answers here, so I'm going to go ahead and read them. My keyboard keeps popping up, and I don't want my keyboard on my laptop. You know, Shannon's got that cute iPad that he took with him to Colorado, so I get to preach with the, the tablet. So 
Read with me in Romans 23 verse, excuse me, Romans 3 verse 23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is not one of us that has not sinned. So I'm not standing up here preaching at you like I haven't sinned. I have sinned. And I think I might still sin, not on purpose, right? But lest any one of us say, we got it together, we figured it out, we're there. Every single one of us has struggled with sin and probably will while we're in the flesh, subject to the world. Sin is going to be a factor in, in, our, in our work. Romans 6.21 says, But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things that you are now ashamed of? There was, when we were sinning, something we were getting out of it. I mean, we didn't do it just because. Some of us, when somebody says no, we say, oh, yeah. But the truth be told, we view things that God said, don't touch that, as if God's trying to take our toys away, instead of understanding he saw what it did and said, probably don't want to do that, babe. We've got it mixed up. We think God's trying to stop us from getting something. And what he's trying to stop us from getting is hurt. God saw and sees much bigger than we do. And yet we feel like, well, hold on, you're taking something from me. Let's keep moving on. Number three, the power of sin is the law. When you say don't, who likes to be told what to do? If you raised your hand, stop lying. <laughs> Nobody likes to be told what to do. We all want to be able to be, and we have been given by God, the ability to choose. And yet, when God says, don't do these things, the sinful nature rises up and says, don't tell me. Have you ever met a, a little child who does not understand the rules and just says, no, 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 whatever you tell them, don't stick your finger in the hole, don't touch the hot plate, don't take another cookie, don't play Xbox past 10 o'clock. That's my son back there. I love you, Ethan. He can take it. He's my boy. I love you, buddy. Right? There is, a, there is something in us that says, I don't understand why I'm not allowed to do this. And when I realize that there's a, a scripture, this is what it says here. I love this scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57. It says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter that sin has power because we have more power. So number four, grace empowers you to live free from the dominion of sin. You can't live free from sin or free from the dominion of sin without God's grace. Grace is a gift to you and to me. And like T was saying earlier, we didn't do anything to deserve grace. We don't get grace from what we do. We receive it as a gift from God. Jesus said, whosoever. This is freely available. But nobody can do it for you. 
It's kind of like brushing your teeth. Unless you've got dentures, maybe you can send them away for, for brush my teeth. But legitimately, only you can receive God's grace for you. You can't receive God's grace for your children or your spouse or your siblings. Only you can receive God's grace for you. Now, you can share God's grace with them, but only they can receive it. Romans 6.12 says this, and I want you to look at the words that it uses here. 6.12 through 14 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Let you have, you have control. Let not. You can say, uh-uh. Because it says there, let not sin be in charge, reign, have dominion of your body to make you obey its passions. If you say, I couldn't help it, I can't help myself, you're submitting to an evil king that wants to make your life suck. That is not what God wants. That is not what God wants. Verse 13 says, do not present your members. In other words, you choose. Do you or don't you? Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. God's grace gives you the ability to get out of sin. God's grace gives you the freedom from sin, not the freedom to sin. Is that clear? Okay, good. Those are four important points before we start with the real message, because the message is actually not about sin, but I figured we'd cover it anyway. So today's message, the topic for today's message um, is not sin. Notice when Adam and Eve sinned, they experienced something for the first time that they had not felt before. Let's read it quickly together in Genesis Chapter 3, verse 8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But Lord God called out to them and said, Where are you? And he replied, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Before they had taken of that fruit, they didn't know they were naked. They didn't, they didn't know that they were naked. In fact, if you go back to the end of the previous chapter, Genesis 2 verse 25, it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud says, When was the last time you felt naked and unashamed? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. They experienced a feeling that drove them to hide from God. They felt ashamed. They felt fearful. And they hid from God and tried to cover it up with some fig leaves. I don't know what they used to sew those fig leaves together because I'm sure there weren't needles and threads just lying around. I don't know how they did that, right? 
but their intention was cover, hide. They did not want to be seen for what they had actually always been, naked. Before God, you're naked. When you come to church and you dress nice, thank you for dressing nice and not coming naked. God sees you when you're in your shower. He sees you when you're in your bed. He sees you, not just your physical you. He sees every part of you. You are naked before him. But sometimes we still try and hide. We try and pretend, tell God stories. Well, it wasn't my fault. It's this woman you gave me, right? Or man you gave me, or child you gave me, or... I don't know. Are there a thousand reasons that you've got excuses to be mad about something? The economy, the political system, gas prices, food shortages. There's a lot of excuses that we can have for making choices that really are just shifting the blame. Okay, so we're, we're talking about the S word, shame. Shame. Um, in South Africa, we have an interesting way that we use this word. It's very different than what you guys use it here. So like if somebody tells you a story about getting hurt or losing something or, um, you know, a, a cute story even, you would go, shame, that's so cute. Or, oh, shame, I'm sorry you lost that. Or shame. And it's not like Americans use the word shame as a shame on you. In South Africa, it's got both meanings. It's got like a, oh, cute, or oh, I'm so sorry. It's got multiple meanings. So when I say this word here, shame, today, I'm talking about specifically the feeling that Adam and Eve felt after they had sinned. Raise your hand if you've never felt shame before. Great, we're all on the same page. You guys know what that feels like. Anybody love feeling shame? Good, we're still on the same page. I love it. You see, it doesn't matter what the sin is or what the issue was that triggered that because sin is not the only thing that we get shame from. Sometimes we get shame from things that were done to us. Don't raise your hand, but do you know what I mean? Sometimes you feel shame for something that happened even if it wasn't your choice. And that shame is the same shame as when you made a poor choice. So let's discuss quickly about shame. What is shame? How is it different than guilt? Have you ever felt guilty? Guilt says, oh, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am wrong. I am bad. Shame is an identity and guilt is just an event. Does that make sense? Guilt says, uh, in that moment, I did something wrong. Now, can you stay guilty? Can you stay guilty? Yes. Okay, so if I committed a murder when I was 21, am I guilty until I'm 81? Or 101? Okay. 
does the feeling of guilt remain? Say I went to prison for 40 years and I actually said that was wrong, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I've gone through a period of, what do they call it, rehabilitation. Do I still necessarily feel guilty even if I was guilty? Maybe. Maybe. Good, good point. The fact of the matter is guilt was something that every one of us, because of the fact that we've all got sin, every one of us has guilt whether or not we acknowledge it or not. Now, if you're sitting in church, I assume, hopefully safely, that you're here because you've heard the gospel and you've heard that Jesus took the punishment for that. In other words, he said, they may be guilty, but I'm going to take it. So, hold on a second, Karen. Why, why are you saying our guilt, Jesus' guilt? Why are you going back and forward? I want you to be clear about something. Guilt is something that most Christians have experienced forgiveness for. But sometimes they will hold on to the shame and let go of the guilt. Listen to what I'm saying. Sometimes they will take on the propensity for something like sin and say, but I could do this again. I'm a terrible person. Or, I can't ever let anyone know I'm a terrible person. I couldn't possibly tell somebody that I was raped. I couldn't possibly share my abortion story with somebody. I couldn't possibly do that because shame goes underground, undercover. It wants to pretend that it's not there. Don't raise your hands, but do you know what I'm talking about? Has any of you felt the weight of shame? It's like a jacket. You know, today's kind of cold here in Florida. It's not really cold, but it's cooler than most. But it is like a bearskin jacket that people carry around when ultimately Jesus has paid for it. And we cling to it like it's our identity or like we're paying off our sin. You can't, pay off, you can't pay it off. Just let you know. For f that's for free. You cannot earn your righteousness and you cannot penitence your way out of shame. Even unbelievers experience shame. What? Unbelievers will talk about good people at funerals when they don't talk about heaven and hell. They'll say, well, he was a good person. How can they say that if they don't have any kind of moral compass that says there is right and there is wrong. They've got a conscience. They just don't like to acknowledge where it came from, which is our creator who gave everybody a conscience. Somebody say Jiminy Cricket. He's, he's not legitimate. Okay, let me just make sure that we're not putting Jiminy Cricket on the same page as Jesus. He's, that's just an example. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Shannon's preached about this a couple of times. It says there, it makes a distinction between the weight and the sin. There are things that are heavy, that hold us back, that are not sin. Shame is one of them. Let us lay aside the shame and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. If you didn't have shame in your life, what kind of life would you be living? Is there something that you want to do, but you're scared that if you do it, the skeletons are going to come out. Or somebody's going to accuse you and say, how dare you? You're not good enough. Those are the shackles, the two, the two shackles of shame. You're not good enough, and who do you think you are? Let's move on. Man, it's quiet. Shannon thinks it's quiet when he preaches. It's much quieter when I preach. <laughs> Shamed. Shamed. That's different than just shame. Shamed is when somebody else puts it on you. Shamed is an external force. Shamed is when you're accused, labeled, prosecuted, scorned, disdained. Like your sin is worse than theirs. You know what? They think it is, so if I just point my fingers at you guys, it's all your fault and makes me look better. Truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter how many. If you've got 105 fever and I've got 104 fever, me pointing at you like you're sick doesn't make me less sick. Right? Sadly, the church is very notorious for shaming people. Not this church. Although, sometimes, we can be very judgmental towards people. Maybe we feel like, well, their sin's bigger than mine. Their fever's higher than mine. I don't need medicine. I don't need a doctor. I don't need a savior. Read this with me. This is from Psalm 109, uh, verse 28 and 29. This is uh, David writing. Let them curse, but you will bless. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. May my accusers be clothed with dishonor. May they be wrapped in their own shame as a cloak. I know, I know he was a man of God's own heart, and yet I see him there saying, shame on you. There's a place where when we've experienced God's grace and his forgiveness, we shouldn't be saying, shame on you. What we should be saying is, God's got grace to help you. God's got grace to help you. This thing, this sin, this choice, this issue is stealing from you. This is not God's best for you. This is not God's plan for you. I venture to propose that this church is going to be one of the message that says, no shame here. 
But what if people are still doing things that are wrong? You know what? Coming to church has not stopped them before from doing things that are wrong. Only God and only they can get together for the grace to get free from it. Well, people are going to sin. Sure, but just because most people are doing it doesn't mean it's the right thing. It's very popular. It's trending right now, actually. You just turn on the news and you go, wow, what are the top 40 sins? I mean, sin is trending, in case you didn't know. But Jesus. So being shamed is different than being ashamed. Being ashamed is internal. Ashamed is personal. I'm ashamed. Now, I might be privately ashamed of something that you have no idea. In other words, nobody's accusing me. Nobody's saying you did this wrong. Nobody's saying this is... It's just me who's feeling ashamed. Let me ask you, again, don't raise your hands. You don't have to grab a paper and write it down. But I do want you to question your heart. Is there something that you are ashamed of? I know something popped up in your heart. It might not be a big deal, but it, there's still shame attached to it. Maybe it's a scarf and not a bare skin. But it's still stopping you from running your race. Okay, I'm going to ask you a different question. Is there anyone in here who's not naked under their clothes? Everybody's naked under their clothes. The truth of the matter is, I don't have the right to tell you to take your clothes off, and you don't have the right to take your clothes off and make me look. Yes, we're brothers and sisters in the church, but transparency does not mean, let me show you all my dirty laundry. You've got to listen to my sob story of everything that I've ever done wrong. Or I have to show you or tell you about everything I've done wrong. Hold on a second, Karen. This is not conf You're supposed to confess your sins. Let's take a look at that scripture. Let's take a look at that scripture. 1 John 1 9, this is the, the, the one we're looking at. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins to. Question. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who do we confess to? Okay. That word sins is the Greek word harmatia, H-A-R-M-A-T-I-A. And actually, it's translated S-I-N in 172 of its applications. Not one time is it sins. It is the collective, complex aggregate of sins committed by a single person or many. In other words, it is the fact that you were in sin. It is not your laundry list. It is not your, excuse me for the, the, the thing, it's not what you're going to take to confessional. 
We don't go to confessional in this church. I know some people believe that you have to confess every sin. If you don't confess a sin, you can't go to heaven. When it says here, confess your sins, it means acknowledge that you need a savior. Acknowledge that some of the things that you have done were not hitting the mark. It is not saying, go ahead and write a book, get naked in front of everybody. Well, Karen, you're advocating for lack of transparency. No, I'm not. Because under my clothes, I'm naked, and under your clothes, you're naked. But I don't have the, the right to take my clothes off up front here. And neither do I have the right to tell you to take your clothes off. Am I right? If a church is demanding you to be transparent because they're wanting to see how good you are, you're not going to be good enough and neither am I. And neither is the representative from that church who's asking you to do that. But before Jesus, who already sees all, knows all, he says, if I say, agree with, confess my sin and say that's not good, he is faithful and just to forgive my sin. Is that good? Oh, good. Thank you, Michelle. Okay. Here's where I start stepping on toes. I know, I know. Some of you are going, what? I thought you did that ages ago. So remember when Adam and Eve were unashamed back in the garden? They were unashamed. They legitimately had nothing to be ashamed of. I believe that God showed me a little while ago that when people are driven to the point where their shame is so overwhelming because their conscience is telling them this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, that they can't stand the shame, they turn it on its head and try and recover some of that shame by being proud. Movements that have stolen the promise of God's ra the, the rainbow, right? What about movements like shout your sin, shout your abortion? Karen, you're sounding very judgy. I don't mean to sound judgy at all. I love people who believe that they are LGBTQ, RS, whatever. They believe it. I don't. I believe God made them man and woman. Now I can lead them to a God who loves them even if they're confused, frustrated, don't know him. Because the Bible says in Christ there is no male nor female. What? You're trying to steal my identity from me. No, babe, I'm trying to give you the identity that God gave you. That is the identity that Jesus paid for. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to agree with what you believe. If you want to dress like a fairy or a unicorn or whatever, 
you can dress like you want to, but I don't have to say, you're right, you're a unicorn, or you're a fairy, or you're a whatever. I believe God said, this is how he created us, and this is what we are in Jesus. I love people who've had abortions. Some of my closest friends, none of you know them, have gone through abortions. I have compassion for them. Did they make a choice that I don't believe is biblical? Yes. But I've also made choices that aren't biblical. Are we going to measure fevers again? Right? One sin, 20 sins, a thousand sins. They're all sin. So let's stop comparing mine's bigger than yours, yours is smaller than mine, whatever it is. God has paid for every sin for all time. And people who are suffering because they experience the shame, whether it's put on them by the church or so-called loving Christians, they need to know that they are loved even if they've made a poor choice, even if they've made a mistake. I told you I was going to be stepping on some toes. I love people who have committed murder. I just don't believe that murder is right. I hate that sin has robbed them and deceived them and held them captive. God has got so much more for all of us. You know that song that we were singing this morning, Grace is Waiting. His grace is so abundant that there is no amount of sin that could ever outweigh His grace. It doesn't matter what you've done. It does not matter what's been done to you. God has got redemption for you. You see stories in the Bible like David. Man, the guy, he messed up more than a couple times. I can relate, right? And yet, he was quick to say, oh, that was not, yeah, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And sometimes he didn't. Okay. Isaiah 50 verse, excuse me, Isaiah 5 verse 20 says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. When you start changing the rules because you want to not feel bad about them anymore, when you want to be proud of what God says is not good, you're setting yourself up for failure. You can print a pretty sticker with rainbows and glitter and unicorn and stick it on a poison bottle. But if you drink that poison, it will kill you. Karen, you're being so hard. I just don't want you to drink the poison, peeps. I don't want you to get hurt like I've been hurt. If you've been hurt by sin, you know you don't want that for yourself or your loved ones. 
if you're prepared to acknowledge it was wrong, if you're prepared to confess your sin. But as long as you're holding out and saying, there's nothing wrong with that. I can do it. I'm free. I believe in God's grace. You don't understand what grace is. If you think grace is an excuse to sin, you haven't experienced his grace. Grace empowers you to get out of the pit. It doesn't give you a permit to stay in the bottom. Oh, man. God gave you rights. Okay, I'll go off script here for a second. So Shannon and I have lived in the States now 19 years. Yesterday we arrived 19 years ago. So I love the American Constitution. I... I love being an American now. I am the palest African-American you will ever meet because I truly am African originally. I truly am African and I truly am American now. The Constitution is a good thing, but there is nothing in the Constitution that trumps God's word. So when the Constitution lines up with God's word, we're in good shape. When the Constitution starts violating God's word, one of them going to win. Not more popular. It's not a popularity contest. Your God-given right to choose does not mean that your choice is right. I'm going to say that again. Your God-given right to choose does not mean that your choice is right. God said, I put before you this day life and death. Choose life. Big hint. Choose life. Just because you can sin doesn't mean you should. Well, I'm not guilty of those big sins. I've never had an abortion. I've never killed anyone. I'm not whatever. M-L-M-N-O-P-O-Q-R-S-T, whatever. I'm none of those. Okay. Maybe. Let's look at the rest of these. Are we justifying and excusing pride? I'm not guilty of those L-M-N-O-P. What about greed? Me first. More, more, more. American dream. What about lust? Envy. Anger. It's getting quiet. Gluttony. All you can eat, baby. Sloth, which is not the animal, by the way. <laughs> Although the animal is a good representative of... It means apathy. Ah, just lazy. I don't want to work. Whatever. Are we excusing those things? Because those things are robbing us. I'm not saying you can't go to heaven. I'm just saying those things are making it difficult for you on this earth 
the people around you on this earth and the people who you are not getting to tell the gospel to. Because you've got a race to run and those things are weighing you down. Are they legitimate excuses? Probably. You can use them as an excuse. Or you can say, I'm not prepared to use them as an excuse anymore. Karen, are you saying you don't struggle with them? No, I do. Shannon does. Sorry, babe. <laughs> we do. T does. Okay, I'm not going to speak for everybody here. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Nope, no one's raising their hands. Okay, we're good. If cloak, if shame was a cloak that people wear, whether it was because they're ashamed and they're cloak is muddy or tattered, or if they're ashamed because they've painted rainbows and glitters on it, Jesus came to exchange his garment for ours. Hebrews 4.16 says, I'll read it off the screen here. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. When do we need grace and mercy? When we've messed up most often, right? I mean, we need it all the time, but boy, do we need it when, oh, I've done it again. Not start singing songs like, oops, I did it again, and there's nothing wrong with it, and I'm going to call a good thing bad or bad thing good. I need to know that my Father loves me. And when I've messed up, just like the prodigal son, when I come to him, he meets me where I am. And he takes my filthy rags and he gives me his robe of righteousness. He exchanges whatever the weight is and gives me his freedom. Jesus unshamed me. He took my shame. I'm not unashamed because of Jesus. I am unshamed because of Jesus. It is a fact for me. It is a reality that I need Jesus. Needed, need, continue to need. Past, present, and future. There's never going to be a time where my righteousness is good enough. My effort is good enough. I will always need Jesus. He took not only the penalty of my sin, he took the disqualification that it may have brought. He took my shame. Romans 5.16 says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. I remember the first time I heard somebody explain to me what justification meant. It was like, just as if I had never sinned. Just as if I was in the garden. Just as if 
I was naked and unashamed. Like God created me. Like I will be in heaven. I have been justified by faith in Jesus. What if I've made poor choices? What if I'm sitting here right now hoping that nobody's looking at the sweat running down my brow because I've made poor choices? Acknowledge that you made a mistake or that something's happened to you that wasn't your choice and choose to step out of the cloak of shame. Let Jesus take shame. We don't need those cloaks in here. We don't need them before him. They're stopping us from running our race. Shame is the silent killer of dreams and purpose in the church. That scripture that we read earlier, Hebrews 12, it is stopping us from running our race. This is a question for you. Are you prepared to set aside the shame? Let Jesus take that from you so you can run. I can't do it for you. Your husband, your wife, your children, your parents can't do it for you. Only you can let him meet you. You know, when Jesus met the, the woman caught in the act of uh, adultery, he didn't say anything to her while the accusers were there. He didn't agree with them. He asked them, look at yourself. And once they figured out, hmm, maybe I don't really have much to add to this, and they left, he said to her, woman, he restored her identity. He restored her dignity. He said, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation. He came to bring redemption. And then he says to her, Go and sin no more. Why would he do that if his redemption was good enough? Because sin was still robbing people of their lives. It's still robbing people of their lives today. Peace, joy, relationship, finances, whatever it is. Let's not justify it because Jesus has redeemed us. Let's not excuse it because it's just a small thing. You know what? Padlock is a small thing. But if it's stopping your bicycle from going anywhere, it is stopping you from going somewhere. I want to get one of those big bolt cutters. Oh, that works really well. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't planning that. So many of us have hesitated to step into what God has called us because we fear our past and shame has shackled us. And we have dutifully listened to it, sat down in the middle ground between the freedom from sin 
an actual victory in Jesus. Like he just did an okay job and not a complete one. It was for freedom that he set us free. It was for freedom. Okay. Lake Haven Church and everyone watching online, whether you call yourself a Lake Havenite or not. Actually, I don't think we call ourselves Lake Havenites, whatever we call ourselves. Are you ready? Are you ready to admit that we've covered our own shame? Now we uncover our hearts before Jesus. We stop going undercover and pretending that bad is good. We rediscover God's love for us. And we recover the ability to run our race. Are you ready? Are you ready? Close your eyes. Close your eyes with me. Father, today we want to just bear our hearts to you. You are our only safe place. You're our source. You love us. You have loved us while we were sinning, while we were stuck, while we were in darkness. You will never stop loving us. Thank you, Father, for showing us your love, for revealing to us your truth. Thank you, Father, for giving us a clear understanding of what sin is and how it traps us, how it deceives us, how it steals and kills. That we understand that we have your grace that empowers us to say no to sin. It teaches us to say no to sin. It teaches us to live above the lies. Thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit guides us in this journey as we bear our hearts to you, as we confess what has been holding us back. Thank you, Father, that your purpose and your calling is for every single one of us. Like Paul said, we set aside the past and we push towards what it is that you've called us for. We will not let shame hinder us anymore. Today, I'm gonna ask you not to come up, but I'm gonna ask you if you are prepared to let the weight of shame that has held you back fall from your shoulders, I'm gonna ask you to stand right where you are. If you're ready to say, Jesus has unshamed me. I am free. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. What is holding you back? Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it deception? 
Do you feel disqualified? You're not. He literally wants to take that weight and give you his freedom. Give you the keys of the kingdom that you can run this race. Well, it's not sin. I made a poor financial choice. I'm struggling with depression. I'm going through marital issues. My child is strayed. Are those things holding you back? Let Jesus take that. Father God, today we just surrender our hearts to you and let you do what only you can do and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. If you want to pray with somebody before you go home today, we've got prayer team members up front here that are always here, before and after the service. And I want to encourage you. Remember what I said about, you know, James 5, uh, 16 says, confess your sins to one another. That doesn't mean, here's my list of dirty laundry. That means come to each other and say, I'm struggling. I need help. I need prayer. I need guidance. I need wisdom. Because other people's laundry list is none of your business. I said it. You don't have to put yourself on display before people, but open your heart to God. Amen. Well, folks, I hope your toes are doing okay. I I love what Han said. He said, I'm only telling you this because I love you. And I don't want you to, to be hindered. I don't want you to be robbed. I don't want you to be stolen from. I don't want you to live up to what God has made you. I want you to experience the abundant life. So today, as we dismiss... If you want to come up for prayer, come up for prayer. Remember, we've got healing school at 5 p.m. this evening, healing university in the the cafe. We've got overflow on Wednesday night, 6.30, and we will see you soon. God bless you guys.